Hey church, it's so awesome to be uh, spending this moment with you today. You need to know that as a church, you are loved in this moment. You are loved every moment of the day. God loves you. God cares for you. And I really believe that you are going to experience the compassion of the Lord uh, in your life this from this week onwards. I believe that you experienced a victorious week last week and that God and that you're ready now you've positioned your heart you worked on the soil of your heart uh, you dug up that ground you were working on it throughout the week you you today you've come to offer more good soil to God touch your neighbor and say do you have any good soil how's your heart buddy ask yourself ask your neighbor that how's your heart buddy isn't a good place <laughs> is <laughs> good. We have some friends in the house and from time to time they will let you know that they're here. Yeah, we, we're gonna, we, we really love uh, this environment that we have on uh, on Wednesdays and God is doing awesome things here. So we release this awesomeness uh, to you and we just bless you in Jesus' name. So we're gonna, we're gonna continue on the series of um, spiritual algorithms and the title of our message today is spiritual rhythms, okay? Spiritual rhythms. So we understood last week that there are two types of algorithms that we work with. You know, there's the the natural algorithms uh, and there's the spiritual algorithms. And whichever algorithm you submit yourself to is really what you're conformed to or you're transformed into. So you are conformed to this world, okay? But you're transformed into into the revelation that God gives you, that algorithm that God gives you. You're not transformed into the world. You're transformed. You're conformed to the world. So which means there's a pattern and that pattern begins, you you, you begin to engage with that pattern and whatever that pattern tells you, when you submit to it, you begin to do whatever that pattern tells you to do. You're conformed to it because you like it. You're afraid of the people around you, what they say, what they do. And so you begin to do whatever they say, whatever they do. And so that means that you're being conformed. But when you come into the spiritual algorithms that God gives you through the Holy Spirit, now those algorithms come to transform you right into the one who gave you the algorithms. You're not being conformed to God's image and likeness. You're transformed into His image and likeness. Somebody say amen. amen. Being transformed into means that there's, you can't go back. A caterpillar turning into a butterfly does not turn back into a caterpillar again. But when you're conformed into this world, there are moments that you can take a break. Oh brother, I stopped smoking for six months. But then what happened? I started smoking again for another six months. You see, we give into the temptations. Why? Because we're conformed. You, you're in there, you're out of there. You're in there, you're out of there. But once you are transformed into the image and likeness of Christ, you're not going back to the old one. This, that, that person doesn't exist. That's why Life Church Global focuses on transformation. That's why the scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So the mind is the, is the ground, of the, the place of your heart that God uses. It's the vital ground. It's the ground where most of the war takes place. And that is the ground that we need to offer to God uh, as a living sacrifice. God, I worked on this ground this whole week. I worked with the Holy Spirit. He revealed errors of my heart. I removed it. I cleaned it up. And now I'm offering this to you because I value your 
algorithms. I value your seed. I value Christ. I want to be more like Christ than the world. And that's the hard attitude of every single believer that is in life church group. That is the heart. That is that is what we long for every single. That is why we sit here. That is why we come to church. That is why we come for life group. It's not because it's an attendance. I absolutely love being transformed and the more I hear the algorithms of heaven the more I listen the more I am I am in an algorithm called the life group it's all in I have you watched the movie matrix I mean if you watch the movie matrix you'll understand exactly what I'm saying neo are you in a matrix or are you not in a matrix an algorithm we're in when a spiritual kingdom a dynamic there's a matrix that god has created that we're all part of every single thing the air we breathe is a part of that matrix it's an algorithm and so now that algorithm god takes an algorithm and he creates an algorithm called church called his body and he creates an in in that body he creates a, a, a an organ or an algorithm called a life group and in that life group he places you and the, and the perfect place for you to to learn how to engage with the algorithms of heaven and apply it in your life is in that life group and in that church so if you learn to value the place that god has placed you in now the that that organ begins to grow and mature according to the intentions that god has for that life group so when we get saved you know when somebody shares the good news it has to be good news okay the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of god you know that is the power under salvation so we we hear the good news that god loves us and he wants to rescue us from the life that we have and he wants to give us a better life and so we were rescued out of one algorithm and we're brought into another algorithm these this algorithm ladies and gentlemen carries in it a rhythm it's a dimensional rhythmic flow of god and this flow or the essence of life or the or the or this dimension carries within it certain rhythmic patterns that if you don't understand these patterns these rhythmic patterns you will find it very difficult to be to embrace the transformation that god has made a lot of times god has already transformed us but we don't know and because we don't know we feel something god is doing something but i can't put a language to it there's a there seems to be a a rhythm to life church global but i can't put words to it but when i come into that rhythm i just i just it somehow i feel like i'm i i just want to go with the flow it's a it's a rhythmic there's a there's a rhythmic pattern there's a um the uh, we, we must understand that spiritual rhythms uh, is a is a word that god dropped in my heart when i was preparing for this message because he began to show me the the that every algorithm in heaven every algorithm that comes out of the mouth of god carries within it a frequency that frequency or an or an energy flow um accomplishes everything that it was it is sent it sent out to do so you must understand your will and your desire does not have power over these spiritual rhythms 
So God has an intention and in that intention, he, he puts that intention in a word and he releases it as sound to you. And when you receive that word, it comes with a, with a rhythmic pattern, comes with an energy flow. And sometimes because we don't understand that energy pattern, that flow, now we oppose something that we don't understand. And so heaven is moving in one direction and we feel like, why are things not working out with me? Why this person said this, this is about God, but somehow I'm not experiencing it. It's because we're not allowing our understanding to mature by practice. And you must understand, the, uh, what you did in the world before you got saved, you practiced it for many, many years. But when you came into the kingdom of God, somehow you felt like God needs to do everything for me. The angels need to do everything for me. Somehow we become spiritually lethargic when we get saved. But you must understand, in, this, in, this, in the kingdom of God, there is a rhythm, there's a flow, there's an energy pattern that we need to understand. And when you begin to understand that you will experience blessing after blessing because you're not waiting for God to bless you. you you figure out this is the pattern this is the way this thing the, the rhythm of, of, of the spirit realm is like this and, and, and as I start practicing this as I start applying these algorithms in my life I understand that I am changed into the very rhythms of heaven there's a there's a psychosomatic lockdown that takes place when you when there is an application of an algorithm in every area of our life. So, something goes from conscious to subconscious in order for it to, be some, to become a somatic lockdown. And what I mean by that is this. That when you get saved and you believe in obeying the word of God, you have to consciously make a decision to obey God. And the more you practice that obedience of what God says to you, it goes from consciousness into the subconscious realm. And when it goes into the subconscious realm, you no longer are consciously obeying God. You, it's a somatic lockdown. The lockdown now begins to operate you. You're not operating an algorithm. The algorithm has gone into its right place and that algorithm now is causing the computer to work. I hope you understand what I'm saying. But, but you must understand, there's a rhythm to it. There's a, there's a rhythm, there's a flow, there's a, there's a pattern and you must understand the patterns. Everything is in patterns in the kingdom of God. Everything is in numbers and, 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 and times and seasons and all of that stuff. God put it in place for a reason and we must understand. He flows in a certain way and you can't go to Him and, and, and dictate your terms when you get saved. You have to go to him and submit to him like Myra did. You go to him and submit to him. What, what do you have to say about this situation? And now he gives you a, a algorithm called peace. And as you receive that algorithm, as you apply it in that situation, now boom, doors open. You understand? that you, you, you see the doors opening not because you did something. You must understand. You, you, now the more Myra practices that obedience now, she doesn't have to go to God now to get peace. 
You must understand, he gave her peace. That algorithm is in. Now, every time she faces a situation, she doesn't have to do it. Peace goes out. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Right? So, I give you... Um, when, I, when I say rhythm, I'm not talking about a drum beat now. A lot of us musicians in the, in the room will think rhythm, wow, awesome, you know. No, rhythm is not a drum beat. But actually, rhythm actually means a strong repetitive pattern or movement. It's a repetitive movement. Sound can be one of them. It's one of the ways that, that we interact with rhythms, okay? But me talking to you in a certain way, my hand movements in a certain way, these are all rhythmic patterns. Like for example, I love listening to Eminem. I know people don't like it, but I like listening to Eminem only because he has a certain cadence to how he raps. Ta -ta -ta, ta -ta -ta, ta -ta. He does that all the time. He doesn't need a drum beat. His voice, the, the pattern in which he, he rhymes and the way he raps creates the beat. It creates a cadence, creates a rhythm. And I love listening to it because, not because of his words, but I like, I love that there's a pattern. He's, he's pulling me into his pattern. All of us carry patterns. All of us carry rhythms. Now Eminem has his own rhythm. Do you have Christ's rhythm? Yeah, you must, as a Christian, you must carry the rhythms of Christ in your life. Because the more in obedience you are, the more you apply the word, the more the rhythms of Christ are manifested in and through your life. And this is very important for us to, as a church to understand because there's a, there's a, there's a synergy that takes place. When, you, when there's repetitive um, um, practice and application of the rhythms of heaven when you keep doing it now there's a there's a synergy that takes place between God and you where it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live I live by the faith of the son of God who lived and died for me you don't even live by your faith anymore see when, when you when you talk about a conscious Christian living that's awesome but I really believe that that's just foundational. But when you go from conscious, from Christ being conscious in your mind, you, your intention for the seed to go deeper into your heart is, is application, is, is repetitive. Yeah? Repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. Every, every aspect, every situation, I'm going to take an algorithm and apply it, apply it, apply it, apply it, apply it. Why? It's because I want that algorithm now to function in my life without me even thinking about it. That's why it says Christ in me is the hope of glory. I have a better, I know I'm going to have a better day. Why? Because this algorithm called Christ is living in me and it will manifest glory. Come on, somebody say amen. It's so good. So we've got to understand that we've got to go from a place of intentionally obeying God to unintentionally obeying God. It has to be a part of who we are. Obedience to God has to be something that is a part of it, right? So we're talking about spiritual rhythms, okay? So when I started um, cycling, you know, the, um, preparing for the Ironman, I, uh, I never rode a road bike before, okay? And it's something that was new to me. Three months ago, I sat on this bike for the first time. I had no clue what it does. 
I didn't, my body didn't even know uh, that it should like bend forward like that and, and hold the gears and do this, nothing. My, my, after the first ride, my back said, good night, I am not coming back again. My legs said, I am going on a holiday. They were having a discussion, disunity amongst my body. But I had to bring it all into subjection and submission. You must understand, that, that's, it's called um, endurance. It's bringing your body into submission so that they could continue to serve you. Anyway, so while, while I was riding my bike, uh, I had to get used to a rhythmic pattern of riding a bike. The first time was difficult. Second time got better. Third time got even better. Fourth time, it was, wow, I'm, I'm, I really like this. Fifth time, I was like, dude, I can smash this. Sixth time, I'm like, oh my goodness, I think I'm going to be the master of the universe. You know, I'm, trust me, you know, I, I'm not the only one that strengthens myself in the Lord. I know everybody else does that. So, so but, but it took repetitive, it took repetition of doing the same thing over and over again for me to go what does this gear do what does that gear do to saying okay now I've got to steward this energy okay I've got I feel energy rising in my body I know exactly what gear to hit and what how much power to push in my pedal I know exactly what to do at what time see we 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 understand that the kingdom of God has algorithms that there's blessings for us there's seed there's word there's so much of spiritual stuff in this realm but the problem is we've not allowed our bodies we've not allowed our our minds to get used to the pattern and so we tried once and it's too difficult this service is too long man what am i going to do in the life group is a boring oh my god but that was an algorithm the first time difficult second time ah third time after about a year of you going to life group or life church global my goodness you're just like them it's not difficult now. You're not waking up in the morning going, okay, I'm choosing to go to church today. I'm choosing to go to life group today, even though I'm, it's ah, like so hard. So when we had some really weird pa- weather patterns in Dubai, you know, when we were here, uh, suddenly it would start raining and suddenly there was wind. One day there was wind, it was 75 kilometers you know, headwind. Like, I mean, oh my God, it was absolutely crazy. But we were advised not to go out. And I was like, thinking, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting an opportunity to go out and train. And, you know, and Ironman is coming closer and closer. I need to train. I need to keep training. I need to keep training. And so we decided now to, to start training on an indoor bike. Okay. Where we put my, uh, my bike on this, on this little indoor trainer. And the indoor trainer now begins to simulate... Um, uh, your gradient, like as in your climbing or your, your power and all of that stuff, the power that you need to use, it, it, it simulates that so it feels like you're riding your bike outside, okay? So when I told my coach this, he said, really? Oh, okay, cool. I'm going to send you a workout on your indoor trainer. I was like, oh goodness, he sounds very happy. That means it's not good news for me. <laughs> I think I'm going to embrace a new level of suffering. Anyway, so now he, I get this um, I get this workout and I'm putting it on, on this on, on the on the work on on the TV and I'm and I'm sitting on my bike now and I'm thinking it's the same like riding a bike outside. See that's what we do when we get saved. We think that we can do whatever we want in the kingdom of God, like what we used to do before. But it doesn't work like that. The rhythmic patterns are different. And so when I sat on this indoor train and when I pushed the pedal down, I was like, oh my goodness, this is harder than I than I even imagined. 
This is not like running. I, I want to ride my bike. I want to go out. I want to feel the wind. There's no breeze here. I just want to, I want to, oh my God. But I have to do my workout because my coach is going to see. So I suffered through the workout. Like, I mean, I was in pain and agony. Like I did not know how to, op- because you know, when, when he writes the workout, he controls the power. So which means gears don't function. And so now whatever power he gives me, I've got to press the pedals to hit that power. As I started working out on the trainer more and more, I started figuring out that I need to keep my cadence at a high level. On a bike, if you keep your cadence too high, you fly off the road sometimes. But if you're on an indoor trainer, the more slower you pedal, the more harder it becomes. And so I realized I need to pedal fast, pedal fast, pedal fast. One hour, 14 minutes, non-stop, pedaling fast, as much power as it was asking me, I was just giving it my best. And when I finished that workout, I felt like I figured out this algorithm. And now that machine which was trying to give me suffering is actually working for my good. You see, we, we get saved from the kingdom of darkness, algorithms, practicing stuff, and we come into the kingdom of God and we don't open up our hearts to these algorithms, these patterns, these rhythmic patterns of heaven, the way God functions. And we think that God has to change according to how I want him to change. Church has to do what I want the church to do. Life group has to become what I want it to become. Otherwise, I am not going to do it. You will stay where you are. And everybody else who submits to that pattern will start maturing and getting blessed. And you will become sad, you will become miserable, and you will question, is this the right church? This was the right church all along. But are you in the right frame of mind to open up your heart and start applying those patterns? Those patterns. Oh, I, I don't know these patterns. Pastor, can you please teach me these patterns? That's why you come to church. And then you learn about these patterns. And then then you have six days of the week where you can practice these patterns. And when you practice these patterns over and over again, every day, every opportunity that you get, you practice these patterns. Now, it goes from something that is only conscious to something that is subconscious. It becomes a lockdown on the inside of you where now the question is, the question never is asked, are you committed to the life group? Are you, are you faithful to the church? Are you loyal to the church? What do, where are you at in your walk with God? Nobody asks you about your intimacy with God. Are you having quiet time? Have you ever asked your pastor, have you, are you having a quiet time, pastor? Nobody asks the pastor. Why? Because pastor has to prove every week that he's having a quiet time. The pastor has to prove to you that he's receiving fresh revelation from God. That's why the question is never asked. Come on now. But somehow we feel the need. Are you reading your Bible? Why? Because I'm not seeing the pattern. I'm not seeing the rhythm. Are you, are, you, are you in the flow of God's energy? Why not? Then you need to go into this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Step into this. You need to have people, life coaches, pastoral team to mentor you into these rhythmic patterns. Otherwise, it becomes a struggle. You have no idea. It's like me sitting on that bike thinking this is like normal. I can run my life. I can do whatever I want to do. No, in the kingdom of God, you can't do whatever you want to do. You can. You can. But yeah, you will have no results. And God loves me, brother. Yeah, my goodness, God loves you. Even if you don't listen to him, God loves you. 
Even if you don't obey him, God loves you. Even if you never come to church, God loves you. But you will never experience his love until you come into a place where you open up your heart and you say, God, please teach me about you. I want to experience your love. And then you start applying that love. Whatever you experience from God the Father, you take that rhythm, that pattern and you apply it. Now, where do I go? Go into the world? Okay, go to church. Church is a safe place. Go to life group, safer place. Okay, good. Let me go to the life group and apply that love. Apply that love. Keep applying it. Keep applying it. Whether they respond or don't respond, keep applying. Why? Because you, you picked a pattern. Don't worry about what people, how people respond. You just practice, 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 practice. Until you're not intentionally trying to love people. I have to pay a price. I have to look past their flaws. When it goes, when love goes from conscious into subconscious, a somatic lockdown, ladies and gentlemen, flaws become an invitation. That is a very good word. Their flaws become an invitation. Give me an opportunity to love you. Give You look for opportunities. Why? Because you're not intentionally trying to prove to me that you're worthy of my love. And then I will love you. No, God never does that with us. So, Matthew chapter 9. Are you enjoying this? I hope you're enjoying the word. Okay. Matthew chapter 9. And we'll read from verses 9 onwards. It says this, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So we know Jesus' patterns, right? He walks up to people he's never met before, fishermen on the boat, and he says, follow me. So anyway, so he says, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, here we go, saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay, so now we must understand that in order to get this algorithm, to understand this spiritual rhythm that Jesus is releasing, you have to understand context. Matthew is a tax collector. He's Jewish an Israelite, but he's a tax collector, okay? So in those days, tax collectors were Jews who would collect taxes from the Israelites and give it to the Romans. So they were literally snitches in the camp. They were, they hated amongst their brethren. Like they, nobody liked them, okay? Because they were working for the Romans, okay? So now Jesus goes and catches that guy and says, follow me. The one who is hated the most, you see the pattern? The Bible says that he's closest to the brokenhearted. See, it's a pattern, rhythm. There's a rhythm to it, right? So now Jesus does this. And then now he's gone to Matthew's house and they're hanging out for dinner. And now Matthew is called other tax collectors. All his friends 
who are hated by people, we finally found somebody who loves us. Come on, we, find, we finally found someone who accepts us for what we do. Oh, come on, man. We found someone who is not polarized. We found someone who's not moving by the knowledge of good and evil. But he, he loves us and he sees us and he wants us. And I feel like he, he's saying, follow me. And I just felt like following him. And now all of you need to come and see how awesome he is because this, this is what I experienced with him. This, I truly believe, is the, is the original form of evangelism. This. I experienced God and I'm going to apply it in my life and you need to experience God. This is what I experienced about him. Invite them. Hang out at home. Bring Jesus there. Come on now. If you're doing life groups in your house, make sure you invite Jesus. Because every single person that you invite will experience you and not Jesus. Life groups are very, very important, I'm telling you, in these days. Right. So now, there's some other people hanging out outside the house watching what Jesus is doing, but they don't go to Jesus. They go to his congregation members. Oof. And they're asking him, asking them about a decision that Jesus made. Have you heard of that stuff before? Hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a manifestation of a religious spirit. A religious spirit does not have the guts to go up to the man who made the decision, but they go up to people who are not involved in the decision and ask them, what is your opinion about this? It's a religious spirit. So if you want to know what Pastor John is doing, ask Pastor John. If you want to know what Jesus is doing, don't go to his disciples. Jesus hears their words and he addresses them. Sim similar, I've heard people like that. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Now, verse 13. This is a mystical statement, okay? But go and learn. God is telling you, go and learn. Which means God is not going to explain it to you. You have to put in the legwork. Come on now, I hope, you're, I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. This rhythm, this flow of God, God is not going to force you to understand it. You've got to put in the legwork. You've got to spend that quiet time. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to embrace that walk with God where, where you understand what God is saying. What God is saying in this day and age for you, for your life. You've got to put in the legwork. And so he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's a profound statement. Now he's quoting from the book of Hosea, uh, chapter 6 and verse 6. But, but before I go there, it is, it's something when God himself tells you to go and learn. Because he's communicating to a group of people who have, who love sacrifices and doing sacrifices more than loving Him. Although the sacrifices are something that God said we should do and they are obeying it, the issue here is not that they are obeying the, doing the sacrifices. The issue is they are condemning the people who are not doing the sacrifices. 
And so here now, you see the, the Pharisees were masters. of the, they, cop, they did the sacrifices to the T. But anybody else who did not do it, they judged them. So which means this rhythm, this flow, this spiritual rhythm that God is presenting to us today cannot happen by you alone. It has to be practiced in a community. When I went and studied, I did what Jesus told me, right? I studied, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That word mercy over there is not what we think mercy to be. Whatever you think mercy to be, pity, compassion, you know, being merciful, not judging, you know, all that kind of stuff. It is, that's what mercy means. But when I did a deep study into understanding what mercy means, mercy in Greek is the word eleos, okay? And eleos doesn't mean compassion, pity, forgiveness, or everything you know mercy to be, okay? Eleos means covenant loyalty or covenant love. It's used 170 times in the Old Testament. And everywhere where Jesus mentions the word mercy, he's not talking about, I'm not here to judge you. He's here, he's talking to us about covenant love. He's talking to us about covenant loyalty. He's talking to us about loyalty. And he's saying, go study what this means. That I desire you to love and be loyal to the covenant I have with you more than your loyalty to sacrifices. This is literally what he's saying. He's saying we've gotten caught up with the, with the religious. We've become religious because of going to church. We've become religious because of like, wow, you know, I paid my tithe and now God has to bless me. I, I went to church and now my, why is my body not healed? God has to do this. No, God doesn't have to do it. God does it because He is faithful. He's loyal to a covenant He has made with you. But the question is, that covenant has to take place between two people. Are you loyal to the covenant that you made with God? Not you made, God made with you. Are you loyal to it? Or are you loyal to your religious practices? Are you loyal? Like, look, when, when, when you talk about worship, you can say, well, you know, Pastor John, I come in and I worship. I give God. I sing everything. I give my all in worship. That's awesome. That's a great sacrifice. But who are you giving it to? Do you care about what you look like in front of people when you worship? Do you care about how you sound when you're around people? Do you care about what people say about you when you worship? Because all those things you can worship, making sure that people have a great impression about you and you're worshiping and singing a shandalalalala, hallelujah. And you can do all those spiritual gymnastics, but at the end of the day, God is far from it because your heart is not connected. There's no intention in your heart. There's no rhythmic flow between God and you in your worship. You can, talk, you can talk about every single thing, laying hands on the sick and praying for them. You can be like, oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. You can do all that stuff and God is still far from you. Or you can whisper from a place of knowing Him. 
and talking to him and communicating you engage with his heart for another person and in that place you manifest healing you're not praying for healing you're there to heal the person you're there for that algorithm of healing to manifest itself out there see but it comes from a place of loyalty are you loyal to him or are you loyal to his church are you loyal to your own finances or are you loyal to him as your provider are you loyal to your company or are you loyal to him because you can religiously go to work and get paid and get a salary at the end of the day and feel like you are worshiping God but if God is not your boss then you haven't been worshiping him loyalty is what i'm talking about today that's the that's the spiritual rhythm of heaven loyalty it's throughout the entire bible if you look at loyalty from the beginning you look at adam and eve god is god looking for loyalty are you loyal to me i make a covenant why was abraham given righteousness because he's loyal we talk about faithfulness ladies and gentlemen to be faithful to someone you have to be loyal to them and god is saying i desire loyalty to me more than your loyalty to getting what i've asked you to do done and the pharisees here in matthew chapter 9 were, were carried an indignant indignant pride in them because they made sure they obeyed god to the t but this lord over here is somehow presenting something to us that we have no relationship with we don't understand this why are you talking in this language i don't know what you're saying and it infuriated so they constantly tried to find mistakes they were trying to trap god just imagine the one who came to save you is the one you're trying to put on the cross that's what a religious spirit does it crucifies the one who is meant to be the savior in your life i'm telling you we have to renew our mind from religion if you are constantly doing the things that you used to do because you feel that you're righteous stop doing it i'm telling you i'm giving you permission stop doing it and reassess why you're doing it how does god feel when i pray how does god feel what does what happens to him when i communicate to him when i when i feel his presence when i believe when i connect when i have intention in my heart what does he feel when i sing to him what does he feel when i play my guitar what does he feel when i preach what does he feel i am more scared to preach because i'm preaching about someone i know and I have to preach about him i have to talk about him. you must understand i'm talking about someone that i have a relationship with i'm not i'm not here trying to preach a message to you in, in a religious way i'm talking to you about someone i know it's like my wife talking about me i know him i can't tell you something that he's not just because you want to hear something good that i come to you and tell you something that i don't know i know him and this is really the invitation that god is giving us today a spiritual rhythm of knowing him don't just do something because you are christian now we've created this religious christianity that we're super satisfied by don't disturb that but jesus is not there 
because there's a flow ladies and gentlemen let me let me explain this this flow the flow is at one point god would say don't do anything with the gentiles to the israelites and then next minute he goes to the gentiles when he comes on the earth he's come to save the lost i'm not come to save the righteous i'm going to save the lost what are you talking about one minute you're this and next minute you're this where does that flow happen have you ever asked yourself the question where did this how did he change his mind why did he change his mind one minute he told me about this person like this next minute he's saying this where did that change happen how come i missed it how come he didn't share that with me was i not listening to him when he was talking or was i too busy with other algorithms that i forgot him see a rhythmic pattern ladies and gentlemen when it goes from consciousness into subconsciousness when it creates a somatic lockdown it causes you to flow when god flows without questioning his motive that's how you know that you're out of religion that you're not stuck in one way god told me that forever that no god did that once and now he's moved on to other things there's a flow there's a flow he flows from one thing today he's dealing with this next thing he's dealing with this next thing. but your responsibility is not to question him your question your, your your responsibility is to follow him but see if you didn't practice the first thing he told you you would have missed him when he moved when i'm preaching this message if you've received this message you start practicing it next week when god is moving you're with him you're not questioning him with him i'm going with you wherever you go i'm not questioning you i'm not questioning your motives i know you love me i know you love everybody and you do everything because you love and so because of that now i i'm i'm moving when god moves so there's a so you move from understanding the spiritual rhythm to now becoming a part of god's rhythm and that's the goal for us the goal is to recognize the pattern and then become a part of the pattern so that when god moves he's not saying okay john can you please wake up now okay can you okay i'm going to give you a dream come on baba please okay apply the word okay apply the word apply he's not like pastor john you must understand god is has to do things you must understand god is he loves you but he's not he, he doesn't hold back himself from bringing awesome things in the world because you're not waking up on time he's moving on he's just doing his thing he lo- i love you man you can say yeah okay when you're ready you let me know um, but he's moving on he's moving on and you're playing catch up revelation 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 every week revelation revelation every day and then now you add it by watching this one and that one and that one and that one and then now there's more algorithms and now where, where, where is god where is god what is he saying to me i'm listening to so many people but i don't know what he's saying to me god was not in any of it god wanted to whisper to you while you were sleeping and he wants you to have that personal interaction with him now i'm not saying listening to people are bad okay please hear me out don't be religious in how you hear the word as well you can you can restrict receiving seed by being religious how you hear me and so god is is moved on he's moving okay so when you 
I love a statement that Bill Johnson recently made and I am super paraphrasing it, okay? He said this, that we will treat people with love and kindness when we see them the way God our Father sees them. Okay, I'm paraphrasing his statement, but it was a super statement. Watch it somewhere, someone YouTube, Facebook, something. Okay, but I realized that the reason why we lose sight of people is because we don't see how God sees them. We see them according to the patterns that we want and we've developed in our life. For example, offense, right? For example, sin. Let's just take sin, for example. We have a certain thing of doing certain things, okay? And now, when we, 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 it's a secret sin, only God and you know it, right? Nobody else knows it, that's okay. That's between God and you, right? Now, when you're in a congregation, met, in, a, in a community, like a life group, and something, somebody says something along the lines of the very things that trigger you to sin, now you judge them saying, even they're like that. They're just like me. You see, a pattern causes you to recognize another pattern. But why are we not seeing Christ? We point out the flaws in one another more than we point out Christ in one another. And I would encourage our church to mature into a place where we, we're, we're not focused on people's sin, man. We're not focused on trying to get everybody to be better and holy and all of that kind of stuff. Let's just focus on, like I want to, I have a huge responsibility of learning how to move with the rhythms of heaven. I have, that's my, my life is based on that. Please, you don't know, I can't deal with other people's trying, trying to get them also to find out their rhythms. Like, oh my goodness, there's like a whole nother, I have to start a school to do that. Prophetic. And so now, we, we must understand, uh, we, we, we receive these rhythmic patterns from God and we have to apply it in our community. And it's only in application and continuous application that these rhythmic patterns now begin to lead us but also give people around us an experience of what God flows like. And it's important that we understand it's, it's huge. This message is huge for us as a church because our future really depends on it. And so God is looking to you and me to be loyal to Him. The question I have for you is, are you loyal to Him? Are you loyal based on your terms and conditions? Or are you loyal based on His terms and conditions? Because see, God is faithful to His covenant to you. But you will not experience the manifestation of His covenant, the blessing of His covenant in your life if you're not faithful to Him. That blessing is there on your life. It's constantly there. But you have to open the door. You have to apply. You have to practice it. Okay? So now, so I want you to go now to Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6. Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6. It says this. It's the same thing. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice listen to this and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings okay you see that Hosea gives another level he says for I desire mercy that's loyalty and not sacrifice 
and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But the, this prophetic word through the prophet Hosea was given to Israel. And this is where God sees Israel, the state of Israel's loyalty or faithfulness to him. He says this, O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? This is in verse 4. Your faithfulness is like a morning cloud and like the early dew, it goes away. That is the condition that God is seeing Israel in. Their faithfulness to Him is like the morning dew. When the sun comes up, it's gone. But they're faithful to their sacrifices. They're faithful to their tithes. But they're not faithful to Him. They're faithful to an offering of worship and attendance. And I'm doing this, it's a sacrifice for me. I'm doing it, it's a sacrifice. We have to stop sacrificing. There's one sacrifice. It's Jesus. It's the ultimate sacrifice. But when we understand what he's saying, he's he's demanding loyalty. He's actually demanding. He's saying, "I I desire loyalty from you. Not just your loyalty to what I've asked you to do, but I want loyalty to me. When you wake up in the morning, don't let your loyalty fade away like the morning dew. Like the minute you get distracted, you're gone. You're not faithful to Him. Look, a lot of people, and I'll say this with with reverence in my heart. A lot of people are faithful to their wives, but they're not loyal to them. And when I say loyal, I'm talking about their heart. You're faithful to coming home because it's a religious requirement. Because you made a covenant. But in your mind, you're all over the place. You can same thing about a wife, but same thing about children also. You can grow up and become a teenager and you can feel like you are master of the universe. And you feel like your parents have to do things for you. Come on now. Ah, oh dear. Right? And so now you feel like your parents cannot tell you anything. They shouldn't tell you. They're, they don't, they're not part of my generation. Sure. They created the generation you're part of. And you're telling me that they don't know the generation. They carry wisdom that they're not going to give you just like that. You have to, you have to, you have to sit under them and learn from them. Let's just say your mom and dad tell you to do a chore at home, okay? And he said, this is your chore now. You got to do the dishes or do the clothes or, you know, iron the clothes, whatever it is, clean the house. These are awesome things, by the way. I use it in my marriage every day. And it's, it's awesome. It, it's brilliant, okay? So, um, let's just say your, your mom and dad tell you that you need to do the dishes every day after you guys finish your, um, your, your meal. And all the parents said, amen. <laughs> okay and so now at first now you're grudging like I want to I want to watch YouTube and, I, and my friends are hanging out and I need to go and I need to do this and, and I need to do my homework and I need to do and you make up all the excuses but grudgingly you just go and do it anyways the question is are you loyal but anyways but I did it pastor I did it sure you did it you're faithful to doing it even though it was grudging 
you're grudging bitter all that kind of stuff you was mumbling under your breath this person doesn't love me this my my i can't wait to leave the house listen listen you you know what i'm talking about i can't wait to leave the house really now try going out into the world by yourself try paying your bills by yourself try getting a job by yourself when you start doing it that and the time will come for it the grace of god will be upon you and you will be awesome but when you're in your under your parents when you're in your mother and father's house god is looking to see that even in their lack of understanding of your generation will you still be loyal to them because the blessing of your future the blessing that that is upon your life you mature the blessing over your life by being loyal to your mom and dad and don't think like you were born you were born greater than your mom and dad you are not biblically you're not in fact the, the blessing of extension of life is upon you blessing your mom and dad honoring your mom and dad so saying that he says israel's faithfulness is like the morning dew like my mom and dad go to work I'm like okay i'm doing my own thing no you're not doing your own thing god is watching are you loyal to him by honoring your mom and dad see are you loyal in the season to your government whatever government it is because god has put them in place because god is watching your loyalty to your to the government is your loyalty to god whatever their decision is god will hold them accountable but you don't want to be in the place of judgment when they are being judged i'll leave that with you and we see now this hosea is actually talking about this because even samuel the prophet talks about it and and for time's sake i, I will, i'll just paraphrase it but you can read it in in 1 samuel 15 god speaks to king saul and says i want you to go and i want you to annihilate the Amal- amalekites okay amalekites amalekites i want you to annihilate the amalekites kill the king and everything don't take anything from their land okay i want you to finish everything cattle everything okay this is god's instruction to king saul So now Saul goes now and he goes and he wrecks he creates massive havoc but Saul spares the king and then Saul says when Samuel confronts him he says no 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 it's not that we we we, we destroyed everything but we kept all the good stuff all the good animals the the spotless you know all the perfect thing to sacrifice to God let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15 because you need to read this this is absolutely awesome 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22 he says this so Samuel said to Saul has the lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the lord behold to obey is better than a sacrifice and to heed then the fat of rams look now this is where he drops it and i want to submit this to you for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft when pastor john says go for life group <laughs> it's not because pastor john is forcing you to go to life group pastor john created a algorithm based on god's instructions So the question is are you loyal to God if you're loyal to God then you will be at life group 
you won't be rebellious. Sure, I do understand there are many, many things that happen. But in your heart, in your heart, when you know the day is coming, you don't prepare for life group. You don't prepare yourself to be in life group because all of that preparation shows your loyalty to God. Clearing out your schedule to be at church, to be with God's people, to use that opportunity to practice the algorithms. That's what God is looking at. Are you loyal to Him by being loyal to His community? Because it's important for us to understand that God looks at disobedience or partial obedience as rebellion. You can say, mom and dad, I'm grudgingly, ah, grudgingly do the dishes. But God's looking at it as rebellion. You did it. You did. You washed the dishes. And you grudgingly do it every day. But you're building rebellion. And God's looking at it as rebellion. Now you must understand, as a student, as a, as a person in your mom and dad's house, and you're under their covering. Now there comes a point in time where you have to understand that that covering exists so that you can steward your future by learning everything that you can learn from your mom and dad. Or you can learn everything that you want to learn from Life Church Global. Eventually there will come a point in time where you will have to go into the nations. But steward the nations in your house. Come on now. You want know people want to do great things? Never in God's house. But the one who gives you the opportunity to do great things, the ability to do great things, is the one that says, first practice it in my house. Serve the ones with greatness in your house. Serve your mom and dad. You think you're great? Serve them. Serve them your greatness. Be a blessing to your mom and dad. Be a blessing to your leaders, man. Be a blessing to your pastors. Be a blessing to the city that we live in. Be a blessing because God is looking at how you, you come to church and you say yes and amen, but rebel when you watch news. Come on now. And he's saying, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And look, look, look at this one. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Stubbornness, not willing to change. Pastor, this is me. Sure, God takes you as you are, for sure. I, I, but at least there has to be a point in time where you mature, where you truly start loving Him and loving His house and loving His, his purposes for your life. Because that's where He sees loyalty. See, I, I understand this. We have many gifted people in the house, in our house, and we celebrate it. But I, what I look for in a person is loyalty. And loyalty is tested over time faithfully serving every single time with joy with joy with joy not looking for a reward not looking for a way out not looking for I'm looking for loyalty why? it's because I'm loyal to God by serving you I don't look for a way out this, this Life Church Global is not my foundation to build a better ministry this is all I have I'm not, I'm not trying to save up money so I can have another house in a, everything goes, everything that I do is for this house. One day I, I, had a, I spoke to people, uh, someone who said, you know, pastor, people have hurt me and they've used me. 
And I said, that's awesome. You must be used. I said, do you know how many people use me? They use my Bible studies. They use my time. Phone calls, text messages, one hour, two hour, three hour, four hour, trying to convince you to live a better life. You're using me. But I put my hand up and said, use me, God. So when you use me, make the most of it. You see, when you're, when you're religious, you will feel, oh, this, this is running out somehow. I, ca- I have to give my two minutes here, three minutes here. Partition like that. But when, when, when you're in the flow of God's gift, you just give yourself freely. Use me, man. There's something that your mom and dad have done that you have not done. They've reached a level of life that you have not reached. Honor that so that you can live long. There's just an algorithm. There's a rhythm to, to God. You, you, might be, you, you might say, well, pastor, my parents are not saved. They're not in the kingdom of God. But they're your parents. God did not consider your religion before giving you to them. <laughs> God loves everyone. And every single mother and father who's listening to me is an honor for you to have children. But it's also honorable for your children to honor you. But you're creating the environment for them to honor. Not, not one of bickering and, and shouting and calling out their flaws, but actually calling out Christ in them. And it's important that, that it's not only just I'm talking to, to children, I'm also talking to parents. It's important for parents to really call out Christ in, in the children and not just call out their flaws. You can say, oh, you are ugly. You are too fat. You need to lose weight. You don't wear this. You do this. We have to come away from that and say, okay, God blessed me with a child. Now, how do I grow this child in the way this child should go? How does, this, how does Christ want this child to go? What does Christ want to do in this child's life? And I'm going to steward this child. I'm going to do my best to steward it. We think that, we think that I have to pay their bills and I have to uh, pay the school fees and I want to make them lawyer, doctor, whatever, 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 and then my job is done. Awesome. If, that, if that's what you think, that's awesome. And I honor you for that. But there's so much more. There's so many hurting children that leave families and go into a world that is waiting to exploit them because of their hurt and pain. But see, it all starts with loyalty. Are you loyal to your children? Are the children loyal to the parents? Are you loyal to your church family? Is your pastor loyal to you? <laughs> well, you can definitely see your pastor's loyal to you. Without, whether, whether COVID, no COVID, he's here. whether there's an opportunity to preach or not they're here they're not gone vacation for two years serving you faithfully day in day out it's called loyalty I don't need a reward I don't need a clap offering I'm loyal to God my loyalty is is a reward for me I receive his mercy as a reward and I want to finish with this I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5 I want to read one verse for us. I want to show you this. It's phenomenal. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. And it says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Okay? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain. Obtain or receive 
mercy. This word merciful is a, is a little deeper than the previous word merciful. It says this, the one who acts consistently with God's covenant. And he's saying there's a blessing to the one who acts consistently, who is consistent in their loyalty to the covenant that God made with them. You're consistent. Not like today, there's a blessing. I'm in a good mood. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm going to worship God with all I have. And tomorrow when things are gone south and things are not going well, I'm bitter, angry. Pray for me. Pray for me. Consistency is what he looks at. See, loyalty is tested with time. I made a statement um, just last week uh, to Kelsey. And I think I shared it with some other people. And I said this. The true test of flattery is time. And the true test of honor is also time. A lot of people flatter you, but in time, you will see their heart towards you. You will see their honor and their loyalty towards you. See, to honor someone, you need to be loyal to them. And you can use that vice versa as well. You're, you're loyal to the one you honor. And you must understand what God is saying. You're blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain, obtain, receive mercy. So that there's a blessing when you are merciful, loyal to one another. He's not talking about, hey, be, be just loyal to me. He's talking about be loyal to the community that you're in. Be loyal and, and faithful to the company that you're working in. Don't, don't like go to your company and then when, when the pressure starts hitting, go on LinkedIn now and start looking for jobs that are similar to the jobs. Oh, I think I hit a nerve over there. Similar to the jobs that you have or just a little bit better, you know, pay scale. You're, 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 you're loyal to a little bit of money. That, that's basically where your loyal, loyalty lies. I, I, know I'm, 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 I know I'm communicating something that might make you feel uncomfortable if it is it's a good thing because we need it we need it as a community you know during covid one of the tests that we we we've received as a church is loyalty are you loyal when things don't go according to how you want them to go when you don't have a church gathering are you loyal to your community are you faithful and loyal to the people in your life that god has placed you look I didn't ask which family I should be born in. Why do we choose the life group that we want to be in? God placed me in my family. God placed you in your family. God chose you to be in a life group. Why don't you love them? Why don't you be faithful and loyal to them? Maybe they are not your age. Maybe they're not, but so... So what? Maybe they're not as vibrant as you are. So why don't you bring the vibrancy to the life group? Come on now. Hey, look. When I go into a gathering of people, I'm the life of the party. I make it a party. I, we don't go into depression and, and all that kind of stuff, those kind of meetings. If it is like that, we change it. I'm not waiting for people to make me feel good. I'm good. And I will come to you and you will feel good by the time I leave you. That's my responsibility to you. But you must understand, blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall obtain. There's a blessing to the one who is loyal. But in addition to that, he is loyal. You begin to, you see a maturing of his loyalty to you. See, that's the algorithm. That's the pattern. That's the synergy. That is, that is you and God now moving. He's saying, hey, listen, okay, you're loyal to me now. Okay, you've shown me through the test of time. You're faithful. You've practiced it. Okay, now I'm going to show you how loyal I am to you. And then boom, now it increases. And now the, the, the revelation increases. And now you've received a, another measure of his loyalty. And now you're more loyal to him. And then this goes on and on and on. And you forget about the blessing. You're not worried about the blessing. You're so caught up in loyalty. That blessing is just flowing. Goodness and mercy just following. Goodness and mercy is following you and God being loyal to one another. Ah, that's amazing. It's amazing. But see, we can get caught up in our God and me bubble and not think that God is looking at how we are loyal to one another. See, true love is manifested when you're in a community that gives you an opportunity not to love them. True love is manifested or revealed when you're in a community that gives you every excuse and opportunity in the book not to love them. They validate, sign it on a piece of paper, stamp it and say, please don't, we are not worthy of your love by the way they treat you and the way they think the things they do to you and the things they say but you are loyal your loyalty is not based on conditions but your loyalty is based on the condition of your heart and so today church blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy I want to do this in closing. I want you to do this as a life group. I want you to sit around as a life group. Maybe if you can do it old youth group style, get into twos and threes, you can do that. Or you can sit down as a community, as a life group, around a fire like Ricardo and Lizelle do and talk about what does loyalty mean to you? Talk about it. Just talk about it openly. What does, how, what, what, are you a loyal person? Like just talk about it. And, and I feel like in that moment, covenants will be made relationships will be made with one another. I feel like God will do something awesome with our community that even though, you know, we, we, we're gathering in small groups that will become, you know, the heart of the house will become so strong in this season that, that, that people will not come to life group because it's, it's, oh, life group day. I need to go to life group. No, I'm loyal to you. That's why I'm coming to life group. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what Pastor John preaches. I'm loyal to you. And that's why I'm coming. And that's why I want to be in this church. I don't want to be in this church because they preach an awesome message. I want to be in this church because I'm loyal to God. That's the, that's the kind of maturity that God is calling us to do. So have that discussion. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear from your coaches uh, as well and your pastoral team. Uh, I'd love to hear what loyalty. We'll sit around a fire and we will talk about it. And it will be good. As fire will burn outside, fire will burn inside. And it will be a good day for us. So bless you, church. Have an awesome, awesome week. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.